Hey everybody, welcome to the Bagging Boardcast, episode number 263. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the books that we are looking forward to coming out June 3rd, 2015. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week it's our May look back. We're going to be looking at some of the number ones that came out last month. And we've got A-Force number one and Inferno number one spinning out of Secret Wars from Marvel. And then from Image, we have Sons of the Devil number one. And is Arcadia number one from IDW or is it Boom, John? Boom. 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 Because I took notice. I'm like, oh, this is a Boom book. Maybe I'll like this one more than Sons of the Devil. (laughs) Well, hopefully you guys are looking forward to your first beer of the night. Nope. Uh, you know what? It had a great name on the bottle. Uh, I picked this up uh, because Paul is a huge Innocent Gun mm-hmm. fan, and this Thank is their Rare Oak Pale Ale. And this is absolutely nothing to write home about. If you like Innocent Gun but hate all the other flavors and that Innocent Gunnessness, did that make sense? No. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the uh, kind of caramely um, oak. oak. Any other flavors that you would get out of a beer? Yeah. To me, this was a no, no, very... That, that, or from an oak-aged yeah, beer. Okay. This was a very watery-down mm-hmm. pale with no... No hop. No flavor and no extraordinary flavor to be bumped up by the oak or, you know, mm-hmm. anything to bring to the table. This was very upsetting coming from, I mean, yeah. I, I rave about their, um, their stout aged in Irish whiskey barrels. Mm-hmm. Anytime somebody asks me about them, I go, no, tr- try innocent gun, you know, try the, the rum cask, try the, this one. This is one that I am really, I'm really let down by innocent gun with. Uh, yeah, because when you see a rare oak pale ale, you're thinking pale ale, you're thinking you might get some hop flavor up front or something, but this had... Even if really I got some oak on it, I would be happy. I got, you know, on the back point. end, it tasted like the aftertaste of most innocent guns, you know, that oaky, malty kind of sweetness. I know you said you didn't get it, but I was like, oh, well, it tastes like almost like an innocent gun. <laughs> it tastes almost like one. Uh, it just doesn't have anything up front to carry me to it. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm just sipping on this. And hey, we're so- aged like no other. It says right in the bottle. Mm-hmm. It's it's how they oak age it, I guess. Uh, but um, no, if you're sitting on, if, if you drink this after mowing the lawn, I guess you'd be like, oh, I'm having water. <laughs> yeah. Very. Oh, wait, nope. Maybe I'm having a beer. No, it's gone. No. Wait, yeah, I guess it is. No. Hopefully, Chris, you're having something better than us. I'm not. Um, <laughs> what are we doing to ourselves? It's just not good. It's like a summer reading list where it's just all like history books and stuff you don't want to read. <laughs> um, I picked up the Magic Hat Brewing <laughs> Summer Sampler Pack, and the first one I pulled out of here is Steel and Time, which is a uh, wheat ale that's been brewed with ginger. I thought it sounded pretty good Ooh. when I saw it labeled on the side of the box. And it's a wheat beer, which I don't normally get into, but I thought, hey, you know what? It's got some ginger to it. I love ginger. Uh, 
Just something about the combination of the wheat and the ginger, it just kind of comes off tasting metallic-y. Like steel? Uh, Sorry, what was that? Like steel? Yeah. Isn't that in in the title of the beer? Steel and time? Yeah, it could be. If that's what they're going for, mission accomplished, but my taste buds don't like it. <laughs> that's too bad. I'm I've usually they're right on like when they do stuff like this. Uh when they did like the beer wiki cat and stuff like that, you could get those flavors that they were going for. It's really surprising that they're putting out something that doesn't have a big ginger flavor because oh, yeah. oh, there's so many of those ginger beers out there that really kind of pop with that ginger. Yeah, I'm going to put the rest of them in the fridge and see if maybe a good chill down. Yeah, brings out stuff a little bit more. But yeah, right off the bat, not a not a big fan. Uh, I'll tell you this: um, we reviewed a couple weeks ago Nirvana IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put a little bit of a chill on those. Really pleasant on a summer mm. day. They they really uh, surprised me. I was quite surprised. Pleasantly. Pleasant. Hmm. I always think some news is pleasant, especially when we talk about our bag and broadcast summer movie blockbuster bracket buster. Oh, and do we have news? We have our first knockout from the summer, and John is very pleased. In fact, I believe everybody that entered in a bracket is very pleased, except for me. I'm the only fool that picked Poltergeist. And it faded away into the digital obscurity of the 1980s. It got busted by some Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, it did. It, and it is furious because Max, <laughs> Mad Max just took the fury road to victory. Hey, they needed a hero. <laughs> Wait, no, that's not even the song, is it? <laughs> No. no. What's the what's the song from, that's from Tina Footloose? Yeah. What's Tina Turner? What did Tina Turner sing in Beyond the Thunderdome or the Thunderdome? I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> was you're the Mad Max Steve, fan? <laughs> what is it about the boat? Proud Mary. Just like Proud Mary. <laughs> no, I don't it. think she's like Proud Mary. But uh, that's our oh. first. First move on there. Uh, Tomorrowland came out last week, and we do have its uh, grossing numbers now. Uh, $33 million opening weekend. Uh, it looks like a sad day for all of us because we picked the wrong movie to go on the bracket. Uh, we should have picked San Andreas that came out. It did not make our bracket. And uh, that made over $50 million this weekend. Woof. Uh, What's so it, Tomorrowland up against? Tomorrowland is up against Pixels. So I you, still have faith for it. You still have some faith. I do. Uh, it, it might get by, but, oh, man. Pitch Perfect 2 and San Andreas are, like, two ones that I feel like I missed on. I like, didn't even... Um, they definitely should have been in there instead of Pan. Like, one of these two. I didn't even see San Andreas till like, a couple weeks ago come like, up on, on my radar. Yeah, yeah. So, I Starring The Rock, and it made more money than... Mad Max opening weekend and made more money than. Well, that's because The Rock was in it. Made more than people Poltergeist could smell opening the weekend. The Rock was cooking. Made more than tomorrow. It made its opening weekend has been bigger than three of our movies so far. So, and we can say the same now about Pitch Perfect as well. So, yeah, but those aren't movies that, that we would talk about. Yeah. On the show. Okay, so it wasn't a complete failure on my part. No. Okay, thank no, you no, guys. No. And it wasn't oh, because yeah. we were sitting in a brewery's parking lot when we came up with this list. Exactly. No, never. Uh, talking about pixels, though, 
Matthew Lintz, who's starring in Pixels, read for a very interesting role. Oh, yeah? What role is that, Paul? Oh, it's Spider-Man. <gasps> no. Yes. Uh, six actors were flown over to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, where they are filming Captain America Civil War. And uh, the six actors read for Joe and Anthony Russo, Amy Pascal from Sony, I'm guessing, right? And Kevin mm. Fahey from Marvel Studios. So uh, they're basically reading for part, a part in Captain America the Civil War. And so we had, who we talked about last week, uh, Butterfield. What's his first name? Asia? Uh, Asa, yeah. Asa, Asia. Yeah, and that's sort of the Butterfield. For, uh, who's 19. Uh, we also had Charlie Plummer, who's, I think, 16, 17. Uh, Charlie Rowe, who's also 19. Matthew Lintz, who's like 14. Uh, and Judah, uh, Judah Lewis, who's going to be playing a young Johnny Utah in the upcoming uh, Point Break remake, mm. who's also uh, like 16. The par- yeah, definitely going the for parents, younger character. The parents made a big mistake with naming that kid Judo, because his last name wasn't Chop. <laughs> mm. Mm. No, Judah Lewis. Ju- Judah. Yeah. Judah Chop, you want? Okay. No, I want Judo Chop. No, okay, well, it's... Hey, you pronounced it wrong when I heard it. Okay. Just so <laughs> okay. No, but this is all very interesting. Uh, the oldest person there is Roe with 19... Butterfield uh, is 18. Uh, Tom Holland is 18 as well. So, and everybody else is like 14 or to 16. So, very young. They are definitely going young for that uh, high schooler. High schooler. So, Peter Parker, Spider Man, high mm-hmm. schooler. Groovy. I think it's a, you know there you go. I think it's a little interesting that they're actually committing to it and actually committing to an age range too you know with it yeah and i i mean i marvel smart about doing that because it's not what we've seen before in Mm -hmm. trilogy and in reboot you haven't seen it you haven't seen that young young actually young kid doing it so i mean they're smart in a way of doing it a bit different than what everyone else has done and they're going to tie that kid in for, you know, 10 years of movies. <laughs> he is the next uh, Harry Potter. He's done some. They big, hope so. He's mm-hmm. done some big work, that Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. Paul, what else any? you got? Oh, what else do I have? Uh, Paul, you're running the news today. Oh, okay. DC is going full steam ahead with a rumor, what was rumored, and photos have hit the internet now. Uh, you can go to CB uh, Comic Book Resources to look at, actually, the pages of these ads. They are half-paged ads. Uh, when you open it up to, in the bifold, it looks like, right at the staple for your print comic book, you'll be faced with two Nick Lachey's, one on the left, one on the right, both taking up the bottom half of your comic book page. So I'm going to have like two to four panels up on top, up on top, and then the bottom half of the page ad. is is a Nick, Twix ad. Nick Lachey eating a Twix, a peanut butter Twix. Oh, oh. a back, a left peanut butter Twix, and then over on the right hand side. So the ad is working already. 
it is disrupting our comic book reading in such a way that we're talking about it, which is something more so than any other ad run in a comic book would do. And it's actually getting print on the internet on pages that aren't getting paid for to run the ad, and the ad is there. Well, here's the thing. I read everything digital, as I know you guys do, too, so mm-hmm. this really isn't going to affect us. Right. It won't affect anybody reading it digitally or if you read it and collected. It's just weird that the artists were told about it, like, hey, guess what? Uh, these pages here, this page here, we're actually going to split in two, and it's mm-hmm. going to be top to side. So it might read a little weird when you're actually reading it because you might want to go – You'll like treat it like a double page spread and read completely left to right, but you'll actually have to read your left hand page, then go back up to the top. But then they it. then they said, just so you know, it's good for all of us because they're bringing back peanut butter Twix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll win in the long run. <laughs> hey, I didn't really realize they were gone, but now I know they're back. Kind of want one. I don't know if they ever went away. <laughs> it's kind of like Nick Lachey. Did he ever go away? If only they would bring back the subway ads with the Chris loved those the ads. sports stars interacting with the Justice League, and then they get their avocado sub from Subway. Oh, that's the true power of the Green Lantern. Oh God, those were awesome. I wish they would put those out in like digital format so I could just download them and read them all. Ah, oh, it's Sinestro's only weakness: the green of the avocado. Who's oh. yellow in that avocado? <laughs> Any more news from you, Paul? Uh, let me talk a little shit about computer games. Uh-oh, uh-oh. They're you coming. They're making their way to Las Vegas. Uh, just signed into law. The uh, legislation signed earlier this month by Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval. Uh, skill-based video game-like gambling machines will be hitting the Vegas Strip So I by can the end earn as much money as my Mario can collect in Mario Brothers? Nintendo will probably never support a gambling machine, much like... They already gamble they, with their machines. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh you it, beat me to it. You beat me to it, you bastard. Uh, yeah, much you, like how Disney <laughs> won't, it doesn't do any uh, video gaming <coughs> licensing of any kind of uh, video gambling machine. That's why there's no more Star Wars uh, video uh, gambling slot machines out there anymore. But you might see other licensing deals like Need for Speed, and the bonus round might be that you would have to, you know, complete so many laps of uh, a race. Or you might have to shoot down spaceships in, during bonus rounds. They're saying that, you know, that might raise your average payout to be 98% of your bet, down from, you know, up from 88% of your bet, you know, based on your skill level. So, they're so not Paul, ex- when, next time you go to Vegas, you're going to be playing these games then, I'm going right? to be yeah oh, I'm going to wizard that shit because it's basically only affects you see I think it would be great if you can be like somebody playing a video game be like uh, I'm, I bet that he's going to fall into the lake of acid on uh, board 17 and I'm then- pretty sure you can bet on like League of Legends tournaments in Vegas and stuff I like that I don't know what that is it's the League Riot game, League of Legends. It's the MOBA, very popular, been popular for the like the past like really popular in seven years. Too. I don't know what I'm pretty you sure, are yeah. talking to me about. Uh, you know, video game shit, uh. computers. You don't even know. 
I, I, obviously, I don't. Been doing fine without it. Yep. Next time you're in Vegas, go to the sports book section and, and see if you can bet on the video games. Mm-hmm. Not, not going to do that. Okay. You don't have to. All right. Thank you. All right. That's basically all the news I have. But I do believe Chris has got some news about something with a plus in the middle of their name. I don't know what you're talking about. But it, it, oh. it's, we can plus the vine. Oh, crap. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, because they don't pronounce the plus. It's silent. Oh, Uh, that's how Paul always calls it. Because recently announced uh, Image Comics, The Wicked Vine by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey has been announced to be in pre-production for television, strangely enough. And this is actually coming out from the production company ran by comic book writer Matt Fraction and his wife, Kelly Sue DeConnick. So I'm kind of of two minds about this, because when I first uh, heard this news, I was like, well, if you want a TV show that can't be really adapted, okay, Wicked and Divine. But then I saw that it's actually coming from a production company ran by people in the comic book industry. So it's kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Uh, no other words besides this yet on it, but something that I... I don't want to say I'm looking forward to, but I'm anxious to see what happens. I'd really like, I would really like to see this because I think this could be well done if they do it right. Mm -hmm. And you do have to worry about those moms getting together and saying that they don't want to show about Lucifer coming to DV like the television show Lucifer. But I think this would be really wise because this, this at least brings some attention to this book that I think really could do well with the masses. I think so. I think this would have to be on a network that would allow a little bit more risque uh, content and be able to push like a TVMA yeah. type rating on it, just because it, it does get dark, it does get violent. Yeah, or it might... It's of... also pretty blasphemous, so, you know, there's that. Yeah, or it could scoot ratings all together and just go, you know, Hulu... Yahoo or Netflix Hulu, route. Netflix. I, I mean, look at Amazon. Look at like, what, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. There's so much, especially since you know Netflix and Marvel Studios are kind of have a deal that you would think that these other uh, internet platform, you know, television providers would want to jump on a comic book. You know, maybe get that kind of uh, Walking Dead, you know, more adult kind of feel, like long form story going. So. Here we go. There I'm go. interested to see where it goes. Yeah, I just hope it goes somewhere good, not like Lucifer. Hmm. I'm I'm supporting the million moms. <laughs> I mean, like, one. No, the show's the show's gonna be terrible. Yes, <laughs> eleven thousand women or eleven thousand people. We don't even know if they're all moms. At no, they're this. they're making like it's mom. <laughs> they're making a note that it's moms. Yeah, yeah. Are we going into another beer, or are we going to be? I wanted, to comic some, I wanted to say something horrible, and I'm glad I didn't. Let's uh, have you. You probably like like Paul and I. We poured out our rare oak to go to our next beer. Did you do the same, Chris? Uh, I finished my steel in time because I drank half of it during the pre-show stuff. So uh, I do have another beer. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about your. Let's talk about your beer. All right, my second beer of the night is also from that Magic Hat Summer Sampler Pack, and this is the Art Hop Ale. 
And this is a Pilsner that's been brewed with peppercorns. Uh, mm. Much better than the Steel on Time. It's still not a great standout beer, but it's definitely drinkable. How much uh, uh, peppercorn do you get on it? Not a lot. And what style beer is this? This is a Pilsner. But what's the title called? Art Hop Ale. A Pilsner with hop. When you said, because I was confused because you said, you know, the hop part, and I said, oh, okay, like an IPA. And then you said Pilsner with peppercorn. It confused me. I don't know what to tell you. Talk to Magic Cat. <laughs> but it's. It's good. Maybe if it was chilled, those peppercorns would stand out a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I like it more than a regular Pilsner, so I guess that would, that's what added to it. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not someone that actually likes peppercorns. Peppercorn ranch, probably one of my least favorite salad dressings. Hmm. I will only eat ranch if it's peppercorn ranch. And if Ooh. I get regular ranch, I put so much pepper in it. I would probably take peppercorn ranch over buttermilk ranch. Okay, I don't but, even know all these ranches. I'm now I confused. Know. I got a guacamole ranch the one time. Didn't like it. And then Ugh, like I don't like guacamole. Chipotle ranch. Also not a fan. Man, I, I didn't know there were so There's many different ranches. There's lots of ranches because the one time my girlfriend came home with like all these different types of ranches. Well, here's the thing. Ranch is such nice. a well-known nice salad she... dressing. Now they can just mix anything with it. You get just like a creamier mm. version of that dressing. Because I've always liked ranch. Oh, like, yeah. I like my ranch. No, this, uh, but this one's much better. Even better. though it's still not like a great beer, it's still something that you know. I'll drink those other couple bottles in there and not have to be like, "Ugh, I guess I should finish these," you know. But is it better than Ranch? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dip my carrots into it. So <laughs> I, I cannot say that it is. Well, what do you guys got next? We have from Single Cut out of Astoria, New York City, uh, the Billy Half Stack IPA, and this is uh, this is our first time having uh, any kind of uh, Single Cut brewery, or from Single Cut Beer Smiths. I'm sorry, um, beer, and this is a really good, nice, drinkable, full flavored IPA. I'm really liking it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot, and it's. It's full-flavored. I feel like I'm getting a lot of nice hops to it, but I can still drink it without it completely burning out my palate. This would be somebody, if you're directing somebody who isn't a huge hop fan or an IPA mm-hmm. fan, this is something you could give them that it's right on that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not too crazy, but it's really enjoyable. I mean, like like Flower Power, which yeah. we talk about a lot, is a great introductory IPA mm-hmm. that's still one of my absolute favorite beers. I think this is a notch hoppier than Flower Power. I think what, it's... It, what kind of hops is it, though? It's, it's, it's nice the piney. Of... It's that piney, you know, like, okay. um, the tree sap little, kind of piney. I get pine. a little citrus, the hoppy. Mm-hmm. I get the, uh... And get the motorcycle driving behind? I, I, I thought you were being attacked by Gozer. Uh, it's Australian. Oh. It's Australian hops. Oh. Yeah, well, be careful with anything from Australia. Australia is a deadly place. Everything there is made to kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I really like this. I would. This would make me want to one pick up this bottle again. I yeah. would definitely get it. I'm again. definitely checking out the other things they have from Single Cut. And I, exactly the other, I would definitely pick up anything else from this beer company just to try it. 
it, it sounds like a good review, and it's something I'll have to keep my eye out for. And you said they're from Astoria? Astoria, New North, uh, yeah, New York City. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, New York City-based brewery, they might have a little bit wider footprint than some stuff, so. Yeah. I'm very excited maybe, to see Maybe I'll be able to find it. What else they got. I'm much like I'm how excited I am to see what DCU brings us this month. Uh, that is Y-O-U for DCU this time. Not just the regular U as in universe. Yeah. I know, Chris, you're also looking forward to one of these kind of books, right? Well, I was going to say, because that's going to head us into the list, and these are the books that are coming out June 3rd. I was hoping John would lead us in like he normally does, but he just went, yeah! (laughs) Yeah, he said, yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm actually, there's a few of these books coming out as part of the 52U uh, that I'm looking forward to, but there's a book coming out that I've been uh, reading for years, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. And this is Green Lantern number 41. Written by Robert Venditti with art by uh, Billy Tan. I almost said Philip Tan. He's another one. Um, and Hal Jordan's on the run. He no longer has his Green Lantern ring, but he has the gauntlet that Krona created and used. And he's the uh, he's the most wanted outlaw in the galaxy right now for uh, crimes against the Green Lantern Corps. So I'm looking forward just to seeing where uh, Green Lantern goes. It's a it's a consistent read. I always look forward to reading these books. And hopefully there's some other stuff happening in the Green Lantern universe that I'm going to be looking forward to in future weeks on list. This oh. is definitely a point where I'm looking forward to jumping back into Green Lantern because this sounds like kind of a fun, different play with Hal Jordan. We've seen him before in the last couple of years without the ring um, for a little bit, and it was kind of a fun pairing of him and Sinestro. But now there's kind of him on the run with the gauntlet thing that helps create constructs and everything. I'm I'm definitely interested in seeing where this is going to go. And I'm looking forward to seeing what book you picked, John. <clears throat> uh, like you, over the years, I've really enjoyed Green Arrow. And... I've kind of missed my Green Arrow fix since Jeff Lemire left the book. And I'm going to be going with Green Arrow number 41. Uh, This is written by Ben uh, Percy and art by Patrick Zierich. And this is going to be the return of Oliver Queen to Seattle. But on his way there, he's going to be battling a psychotic serial killer truck driver on his way back you can just say truck driver (laughs) uh (laughs) sorry to any truck drivers that might listen to our show while while you're on the road we know we're great for companionship um but this john what's my hey john what's my unicorn (laughs) an attractive truck driver (laughs) a hot lady truck driver Paul's, unicorn. Paul's still trying to find one. Can't find it. You know why? They're a unicorn. <laughs> Don't exist. Um, <laughs> but if they did exist, this the world would be a magical place. Uh, what What is interesting about this book is it looks like it That's takes... That's such a weird thing, Paul. I'm sorry. You're breaking here for what? a second. You don't have a unicorn? I don't think so. Like a weird... Okay, let's just call it what it is. Fantasy. Fetish. I guess. Uh, that probably doesn't exist, but if it did exist, you, you would feel like the world is a more magical place for it. Uh, 
this I've had this one for years. You guys know this uh, hot librarian. I'm always on the lookout yeah, but, for a hot but, librarian. I don't know. I don't know. I have a like a terrible fear of like a flying snake that spits poisonous spiders, but that's completely different. That's, yeah, that's like a monster dragon. Yeah, <laughs> monster dragon. Like yeah, not <laughs> a friendly dragon, not a peach dragon, but you know, one of those. Not even like a reluctant dragon. No. Uh, But this book looks like it takes place... John has nothing to do with this. He's like, screw you guys. (laughs) Well, I'm getting back to my thing. (laughs) I got Green Arrow to talk about. Green Arrow to talk about. It looks like it takes place after the future's end, where that book kind of left off. This is picking up with that. And uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back into what I loved about Green Arrow. Well, think back to when we read just recently, you know, maybe four or five months ago, reread uh, Longbow Hunters. You know, he moved to Seattle and he was like there was a serial killer that was coming cross country towards Seattle. So it's kind of interesting that he's going to Seattle and he's going cross country and now he's battling a serial killer going cross country. Kind of a weird kind of or maybe it's purpose purposeful. That they're doing that to harken back to the longbow hunter. We'll have to read the issue. Mm-hmm. I'm, in- I'm interested. And we'll have to read whatever Paul's looking forward to as well. Uh, the Green Lantern Corps have the wrong guy to have as their number one uh, most wanted. There is only one most wanted ever, and that is Bizarro, because Bizarro is number one. And this issue is Bizarro number one coming out from DC Comics. And uh, this is promising to be as much more fun or as much fun as the Harley Quinn issues have been. Uh, But this is being written by Keith Corson, who I've never heard of before. And art is being done by Gustave uh, Darte. I'm not pronouncing either of those names right, but, you know, that's what I do. I'm very excited to have a cool, fun, kind of comic Bizarro book back. Uh, yeah. Or exist. We had a little bit of that fun Bizarro book with the Superman issue mm-hmm. uh, a little bit ago that it featured Bizarro. Um, no, I didn't pick this book because I knew that you were going to be, because this is going to be a fun book. Mm-hmm. I love whenever Bizarro pops up, yeah. even if it's Bizarro murdering other superheroes. I still enjoy seeing Bizarro, and mm-hmm. it's always just a fun read. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, him when he's more the comic kind of like. No, Bizarro is. Bizarro this is like an all ages book. Yeah, this is an all ages book. This is Bizarro am mad, and when he's happy, this is you know Bizarro talking, not Bizarro basically Amelia Bedelia kind of Bizarro. You know where he's just trying to. I'm guessing that's what it's going to be where it's. Bizarro trying to get things right, and he's just screwing it up, because that's what Bizarro is. Well, and there's an eight-page preview of this that's available right now. Um, it came out as part of the uh, New 52, or not, the 52U. They did some preview pages in the back of certain issues that you bought, but they were also all available on Comixology for free download. And this is Jimmy Olsen and Bizarro on a road trip, just because... Superman's like, just get him out of my city. <laughs> Seems uh, amazing and, now. Buddy road trip? Yeah, it, and the preview pages that they gave are a lot of fun, so oh. this is one that I'm looking forward to. Man, and what if they run into a it, hot truck driver? <laughs> my only hope for this is since it's a uh, six-issue miniseries, they can just do, and like 
number six, they can just put like at long last, like the first issue or something. Just go Bizarro with it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It'll be if it's a buddy road trip with Bizarro. I hope Bizarro is walking across country. <laughs> Much like. <laughs> And it's just all making fun of that J. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski grounded run of Superman. There you go. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. And I hope they stop for you know at truck stops and Bazaar orders a, a pie, and he's always upset with which pie he gets because he never orders the right one. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> I am. This. This is. Why aren't you writing this book, Paul? I'm writing the fan fiction for this book. <laughs> Find it on my Angel Fire page. <laughs> Probably can't find it. <laughs> nope. But what you can find is our book for the dramatic reading. And now, a dramatic reading of The Empty, number one, page 21, panel four. Lila, I got you. I will bring you up. And that was a dramatic reading of the horrible book, The Empty, number one, page 21, panel four. Yeah, this was a book that John picked up and we were going to do for the uh, look back a couple months ago. I don't think we even did because it was that bad. No, did we? I, I, I had bought it, and I said I was going to pick it, but I said, no, this book is so bad. And it was so bad that you were like, it can't be that bad. <laughs> and so you read it, and you were like, that was horrible. It's not good. Oh, it's so, it's it's the worst, it's one of the worst things I've ever bought, comic book-wise. And uh, if you want to see that panel, feel free to check out the show notes over at beggingboard.com for uh, this episode, episode number 263. Um uh, and just just to get a glimpse of what this book was, and and if we're gonna we're gonna go move right into uh, our look back for the month, why don't we do a couple other uh, number ones that I bought that might not be very good? Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, good. I was I was afraid to say anything. <laughs> nope, it's okay. Okay, you're opening okay. up this one, the one that I like better. And this will bring us to my first number one. Uh, this comes from Boom Studios, and this is Arcadia, written by Alex Pacnadel and S- Eric Scott Pfeiffer. Um, and this book takes place after a plague or some kind of virus has wiped out mm-hmm. billions of people off of the world. And, Almost all 7 billion people. And what they've done is they've made these computers to hold the... The S- Matrix. Um, the ma- a Matrix. <laughs> it's the Matrix. They made the Matrix. They made the Matrix. <laughs> From the movie. From the movie. The Matrix. Matrix. Uh, to bring all these people into a com- giant computer where they were going to live and their minds could help work out trying to stop this virus and come up with a cure. Uh, but they're also kind of going about their own lives in this matrix society society, but there's people who couldn't pay enough to have 
you know, aged lines and this or that. Uh, but on the to be fully rendered. Yeah, there, there we go. Thank <laughs> yeah, you, Paul. Yeah. Um, and then you have the flip side where it's we're following a character who is one of the chiefs taking care of the largest place, which is Arcadia Number One. And this is, you know, football field length, if not larger, of hard drive that are running these computer program to hold all these people that have died. The meat space. <laughs> the meat space. Yeah. It's uh, where the it looks also like where the bodies are kind of stored as well. Right? Like I don't I don't think they're holding the bodies. Oh, because I think it, that was all fish guts. Well no, that's where the fish guts were. But uh, the water filters. Um, but uh, I guess that's only because we see those the president and the guy go into the virtual world. I guess that's what I'm thinking. I thought maybe the comatose, like, plague-ridden bodies were there, like, no, in it, suspended animation. Or it sounds is it like just, once you've been scanned in, like... You're, that's it. You're yeah. never getting out. Yeah, you're scanned in. You're considered dead. Three in the pile. So... What's the point of I don't okay now I'm confused because I, my thought was oh they're holding their essence there kind of like you know the uh, episode of Doctor Who like the library yeah you know where they there's so many the, they were dying those people, so the basically the I think what the premise is is that these people are dying the great minds that could cure this are dying people are dying. We can allow them to live in this computer world where they're supposed to be helping us solve, find a cure. Find, find a cure, and it kind of seems like they're not really doing that. They're kind of yeah, doing they're just, they're doing their own thing, and they actually bring the president in to stick it to them mm-hmm. because they need them working on this stuff. But the people in the simulation know that mm-hmm. the meat world actually needs them, so they're. They're calling the shots. Yeah, yeah. And we find out, like, at the end, spoiler, uh, that the guy who's running Arcadia number one is alive, but his essence is also... He has a computer clone. In the world. He has a Flynn. Inside the Tron. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm going to keep on adding and adding all these different metaphors. (laughs) So it's... Doctor Who, Tron, and the Matrix. Matrix. Um, if I can fit an underworld here, I'll be so proud. Well, you don't need to because it, we already mentioned Matrix, so. Oh, okay. But there it's like, the things. Uh, this book is not the greatest. Uh, it's the better of the two books that I brought to the table, but we are looking for books to review this week, and. If I had known Paul was going to buy more of those Marvel books that were tie into Secret War, I probably would have said, uh, let's do those instead. Um, but this book, it bounces around. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's got big, grand ideas, but it doesn't know how to bring it all together for you to read in issue number one to get you hooked to read issue number two. Right, right. Uh, what happened with me in this book is... When I started reading it, I didn't read that little blurb right at the beginning that outlines the plot. Right, like, because I just, it didn't I zoom just started in. reading it with 
like the uh, the prologue and then uh, Pepper like digging out fish guts. Like that's right mm-hmm. where I started. And I was like, they don't tell you like what's what and where's what. And it wasn't until like I started flipping back through when we started recording that I was like, oh, it it tells you what happened at the beginning. And mm-hmm. it's a case of like you're being told rather than shown as you're reading the book. Right. Which yeah. I just didn't like. Mm-hmm. I usually have a big issue with that. But uh, for whatever reason, when I was doing the guided view, uh, when I was reading this book, it kind of skipped over that little blurb. And it's only one paragraph. But by the middle of the book, I'm like, okay, there was a plague. That's yeah. okay. There's meat space and then cyberspace. <laughs> okay, I can kind of get this. And I, I kind of like, okay, it, you know, I, I feel a little lost, but I got a hold of it. And I find it all really quite interesting. And it feels like it's over the top with the science fiction element of, you know, plugging everybody in and having their essence in this huge computer space. But it doesn't feel, like, crazy to me. It feels very grounded. It's like, okay, this president would have to come here and meet with these people. And these people are going to be dicks to her and be like, nope, we hold the key power. And she's like, no. We're actually supplying the power, and you're using 14% more than you were doing last year, and have come up with no results. I'm like, wow, that sounds exactly like what would happen in this kind of scenario. Yeah, and like the the UN ambassador that she's meeting with is like got like translucent skin. Yeah, just to throw her, just to mess with her. Yeah. Um. So it's, I, I enjoyed it because of those reasons mm-hmm. you just listed, Paul. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed where it was coming from, and yeah, you'd have like teenage kids being like, "I can do whatever I want. I can fly. I'm in the mm-hmm. computer world. I'm in the Matrix." Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you have like the government trying to cure this disease and have some kind of rules with the AIs mm-hmm. that are supposed to be helping. Right. Oh, well, not AIs, but people that got uploaded yeah. that are now. Like, now they have a chance to grab their own power. And, and, you know, now they're living in this world like kings, and not only kings, but almost gods, because you can see that turned off gravity inside of New York, or this version of New York, you know? And while reading this, I go, I think Paul might like this, Mm because of all the stuff going on, but in the end... As as soon as we got into the politics, I was like, oh, Paul's probably digging this. Yep. (laughs) Where I was in it. And also, you know, uh, when the mom comes out and she accidentally started a fire in the house and she starts talking about, hey, remember when pain was nuanced? Like all this stuff that, yeah, they we wouldn't get right in a virtual situation right away because of how nuanced and how minute, you know, our actual essence, our life actually is and how far away we are from really being able to crack that in a good virtual reality sense you know living in this world and hearing all the news about oculus rift and virtual reality and then reading this book and having it like kind of poke apart like no no we're really really far away from anything coming close to like what the world actually is yeah and it like that guy just kind of like, yeah, no, there's a small house fire. Can you just reset the house? Yeah, I need a hard boot on the house. <laughs> um, but it's it's definitely interesting. 
I'm not going to be picking up issue two. Mm. Would you read issue two if I picked it up? I might. Okay. Because I probably won't pick up issue two no, because, I, honestly, I'll forget about it. You're going to forget about it. What if I reminded you? If you reminded me, then I'd pick it up. All right, so I should keep an eye out for when yes. this book comes out again. Uh, it's, I didn't I didn't hate the book, mm-hmm. but it definitely is not – especially at the end here where there's the weird guy that's rewriting computer program. Oh, my God, this is The Matrix. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> this is. Uh but didn't then, hate it, didn't love it. I liked it. But then, you know, he gets killed by uh, Deus Ex Machida. Or, you know, whatever. Shadow, by the ghost in the shell. Shadow women. By so, ghost in the shell. So, I didn't I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I didn't yeah, like it. It wasn't a bad book, but there's not enough standout about it to make me be like, okay, like, yeah, I, I want number two. See, I think the premises stand out enough to be... To, to deserve a number two for us. Um, unlike... Unlike Sons of the Devil. Sons of the Devil. Oh well, Paul, Paul, I'm just going to, before we jump into that book, based off of your statement there, you should pick up the empty number two as well, though. Because, <laughs> no. John, what was, the, what was the premise to the empty number one? Horribleness. No, uh, like, it was, it was your a, pick for the list. It was a post-apocalyptic <laughs> world... Where a woman who was able to touch uh, and bring life back to plants in the empty was ostracized from a town, but the best warrior in the town was there to protect her. Yes. So it was a buddy cop show set in an apocalyptic world. One brought death and the other one brought life. Not that interested in that premise. No, John, John posed it better before when he picked it for the list. Good cop, bad cop. <laughs> Death cop, life cop. Not interested. But your other book, John, sorry. Uh, this is Sons of the Devil. This is brought to us by uh, Brian Pucciolato and Tony Infante. And uh, in this book focuses around Travis, who is an orphan, uh, but he was stolen from his father, who is a cult leader, uh, and then kind of was raised in foster homes, but now his father, who's always been looking for him, is just about found him? Mm-hmm. And I didn't get most of that from this book, uh, yeah. on, on the last page, they had a, uh, oh, watch this, uh, Vimo video, uh, short. Vimeo. Vimeo? Yeah. Uh, directed by the writer and art, the writer of this book. Uh, and I watched almost all of it before I was like, I can't do any more of this. But. Was that free? It was free. Oh. Should have known about that video before you watch it. Uh, bought this book. I know, right? <laughs> um. So this, I don't even know how to. I mean, it's a, it's a guy who's he. He doesn't want. He can't make commitments because he grew up in the foster homes. He kind of wants to do the right thing, but he's a hothead. Mm-hmm. And he's, he has one blue eye, one red eye, 
and he's the going to be our hero of the piece. Mm-hmm. It, but you can't root for him because he's such a jerk. Well, I mean, he's got that puppy dog, and he's helped that kid find his parents. Mm-hmm. It's it's a book hard to describe because I have absolutely no connection to it, and what I just described to you is not laid out in this book. Um, no, yeah. It, it, again, it's another case of, like, you're being told at the end of the book what it's actually about instead of, like, when you're reading it. Because when you're reading the book, it's just there's weird people getting hit with hammers, and they have two different color eyes, and now one of them's older. Mm-hmm. That's it. And and it doesn't you don't you don't care about these characters you don't i mean they give you they give you a reason that you should like Travis but then they immediately take that away from you and you don't like him and you don't care at the end of this mm-hmm. that is that guy his father is he his brother who is that guy at the end that also has one red eye one blue eye but on the opposite side so you don't know if that's his father. You don't know if it could be his brother or what. Because, mm-hmm. like they said at the end of the book, there was a bunch of these kids that were, yep, like all like kidnapped and raised by this cult leader. Now they're out in the world. Like, who knows? Who cares? Is kind of the bigger question, though. And I find myself that not caring mm-hmm. at all. Now, maybe if I read more of this I would but at no point does this make me want to read number two at all it doesn't no. it didn't leave me open to being like oh man that left me wanting more this just left me even more like huh alright and it's a shame yeah. because I find myself having to pick up more new number ones from these indie people because who knows if you're going to get a Rat Queens, you know? You never yeah. know. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Except we ended up like liking Rat Queens that was a fun, lighthearted romp in a mystical realm. Not so much a thing listed as, uh, or titled as, Sons of the Devil. Sons of the Devil. <laughs> I th- Outcast. I thought it was like son of a gun, son of a devil. <laughs> you know, uh, there goes the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> Chris, uh, I heard you pop a beer. I uh, did. What beer is that, sir? Uh, well, you said this. We haven't popped our beers yet. Well, that's okay. I can talk about mine while you guys pop yours. And he makes us vamp. We can make yeah, him vamp. Yeah, I do that every other week, so I, I'm okay with taking it this time. Because uh, this is also from that Magic Hat sampler. But this is their blind faith. Um, as they call it, the Ale of Enlightenment. This is the one of the two other beers that they have in this 12-pack. Uh, you get three of the Art Hop Ales, three Steel and Times, but then you get three Blind Faiths, and then you also get three Number Nines, which is yeah. basically Magic Hat's go-to mm-hmm. beer if, they just need to put something on tap somewhere or throw it into a sample. You no pack. longer need to sample number nine. You know, exactly. if you haven't had it, then this, you've been living under a rock. This is it's, the Sam Adams putting their boss and lager in every single 12-pack they do. Yeah, and the way I kind of looked at this is like, all right, well, if I don't like those two new beers that you can only get in this sampler pack, at least I have 
six other beers that I can drink and know I'll enjoy. Um, and luckily, I like the Art Hot Art Op. I can't even talk Art Hop Ale enough to say like, all right, well, you know what? One out of the four is kind of a wash. Mm-hmm. Um, but Blind Faith is just an all-around solid beer. Uh, nice and malty. It's got a nice little spice on it. I like it. John? It, it makes buying this sampler pack kind of worth it. John? This is something I would just oh. buy on on its own if I need to buy beer just to have around. John, what the hell am I drinking? You are drinking Flying, Bi- Flying Bison's Down by the River Belgian-style IPA. This is this is I this is a Belgian. This is a Belgian style IPA. Okay. Is it? Uh, when I first took that sip, I was like, no, IPA spicy licorice. Yeah, it's got a black licorice finish, but then it says a spicy citrus and mango. Uh, okay. Uh, and then I was like, okay, spicy mango. Okay, I get a little bit of spice. I don't get that full uh, Belgian style kind of mouthfeel. This has a thicker, richer mouthfeel, which is, it's, it's almost creamy. This it's, beer, it's really different. I I don't and I don't get the tight Belgian like bubbles no, you don't on get it. The tight bubbles. Um, you know because it's a thicker beer. I do get you know a good amount of different flavors. I guess it is spice, uh, and not typically not the typical Belgian spices that I'm used to from Oma Gang. Uh, because they use the three spices and everything. Um, I'm not well. We just had a really good IPA, so maybe my my hop meter is thrown a little off here. No, it's not super hoppy, but it definitely is a beer mm-hmm. that you take that sip and you know you're drinking an IPA. Um, I don't. Okay, yeah, I'm getting a little bit. I don't. I don't hate this beer. Mm-hmm. I'm not in love with it, but it's enjoyable. I need to have this again. Sands every other beer, just straight palate, just going after. I it. wouldn't mind ordering this if yeah. I was out, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't mind if like I don't think I'd pick up another pack of this. But if somebody brought it to my house or is mm-hmm. at a party and somebody had it there, I would drink it. This this makes me want to check out Flying Bison again. Like I've been so off of Flying Bison because of they're some, fl- because they're Flying, flying bison. bison because of you know I've had some bad. Flying Bison beers, you know. Honestly, I I love being in Buffalo. I love being a Buffalonian, uh, so I want to support a local brewery. Uh, so this this makes me happy that they're doing this. I, I haven't tried Hell's, what is it? Hell High Diver or something yeah. like that. Hell Hell Diver, yeah. Didn't someone we know have that? I think it was friend of the show Ed, and he was like, "Don't." Yeah, probably. You, you know, don't need it. I wouldn't mind this being the. Buffalo beer that's everywhere because mm-hmm. usually it's either Rusty Chain or Flying Bison's Aviator Red. Mm-hmm. Aviator Red, when it's on, it's delicious, but most of the time it always just it's tastes watery off. Down. Yeah. Um, but if this was on tap at just about everywhere, I, you probably could get me to drink it. Mm-hmm. And I mind Rusty Chain, you know, and because. But that's, I think, more like, a point of pride than a point of taste. Yeah. I definitely yeah, I, think I so. agree with that. This sounds pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's And it's it, that's the thing, because Flying Bison, like, we just kind of look over them now. Mm-hmm. I think the last beer from them that we had that we really liked was the Blizzard Bach, and then 
the next year we were like, oh, it's not it's as, drinkable, but it's not as good yeah. as it was. Oh yeah, Blizzard Park used to be. So I think they're just like inconsistent, mm-hmm. and if if they could nail down that consistency, they might become a little bit more standout, especially in mm-hmm. Buffalo where you have like Hamburg Brewing like 15 minutes away, and then Resurgence, which opened a year ago, that actually won some award. And then, uh, recently, and then we have uh, Big Ditch that just opened, yep. and uh, Nickel Rusty, City, Rusty Nickel, or Rusty Nickel. That's right. Uh, also just opened. So Flying Bison needs to get on their game, and if this is them on their game, hey, I'm interested. Then that proves they got game, right? Just like our Marvel book. <laughs> well, we have two Marvel books. Uh, they're both spinning out of Secret Wars. I don't know which one we want to do first because I have one and then Paul has one. Let's so we do. Both... Let's do Paul's. Okay. Because then we're going from you know worst to to best. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I picked up Marvel's Inferno. This is spinning out of Secret Wars, not Battle World. Uh, so this is exploring that part of the universe before it becomes part of battle world i'm assuming so this is still part of battle world like battle world is just a bunch of different right right but that's pockets and cities that's pockets and cities that are all coexisting together so this is a pocket before it starts coexisting with the other ones no i mean because yeah it's all summer battle world is basically just like each different area is a different time zone mention doom at all no, it, it mentions that he's the governor. Yeah. Like, he's the governor of New York. He's uh, of... Right. Of this area. Okay. Uh, I yeah, thought so, I thought this was happening before it became got folded into Battle World. But, you know, I live and learn. And that's why we listen to the show. So we learn from each other. Uh, this is taking place during the... Af- right after the Inferno uh, 90s comic book x-men event uh but this time the x-men have lost new york city to the demons and pietro uh colossus not pietro peter wants colossus wants to go back into new york the demon spawn infested manhattan to reclaim his sister magic uh and he's come up with a deal with cyclops that he'll be on patrol he'll police the outskirts and chase down demons 364 days out of the year but one day he gets to lead in a ragbag ragtag group to go into the breach once again to free his sister uh and this book i don't think makes absolute sense unless you read secret wars number two um i didn't read secret wars number two and i got it i think yeah, I, apparently i thought it I, but I, I think you like to me. I got this in A Force. It just I think it to me it felt like it clicked more to me. Okay, having read Secret Wars number two and Secret Wars number two is where I went. Oh, I really enjoy this series. Okay. Like I'm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was it was it was good enough and it was different enough from what Secret Wars number one was that. I kind of felt like Secret Wars number one was like the zero issue. Hmm. Um, I could see that. But go ahead. I just wanted to put that in oh, there. Yeah, that yeah. I felt. I, I haven't been, you know, I read Secret Wars number one. 
and you know the, the collapse and everything, but you don't even get to see the collapse so of the two universes. But here in Inferno, I just feel like I'm right back into the I'm I'm a '90s kid reading X-Men again, and here I am with these characters that feel right out of the page and feel right out of like the if this was like a weird alternate version of the X-Men cartoon from the '90s, I'd be right in. Like it's it has everything there. Like the relationship seems set. You got Jean Grey and Scott, and then. Uh, Scott getting his back broken and becoming the new Professor X, which I, I'm like kind of saw coming. Well, I figured as, you would like this because Forge is in the background of uh-huh. the like Beast. whatever they call their headquarters. Yeah, with, yeah, hanging out with Beast, and then at the very end, surprise, you got Havoc, creepy <laughs> old Havoc with the yeah. long fingernails. Yeah, looking like Mordrew or something with the beard and the shaved, weird shaved head and weird face tattoo. Yeah. It works. What I loved is like Beast. It has the same robot hand and robot leg as Forge, mm-hmm. and like in one of the backgrounds, you can see it looks like Vision, like hanging out in the background too. Um, definitely a kind of a fun book, and you have characters that are obviously like yeah. Beast and Forge are set for the scientific advancement of mutants in this mm-hmm. Manhattan that. You know, Scott is the governor with, and then you have the police force, which is Domino, Colossus, Boom Boom, mm-hmm. Nightcrawler, Jean Grey. Um, I loved how sassy Boom Boom was, also, because that's all I well, could describe her as. And it's, I mean, spoilers always sassy. in effect. As soon as I saw Boom Boom being super sassy, I was like, "Oh, guess who's on the chopping block?" <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but I, I actually really enjoyed this one more than I thought I was going to. Uh, because it's a weird, random group of X-Men that's been assembled to do one weird, random thing. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoy seeing what weird X-Men teams they can come up with. And it was right when I was kind of starting reading it, and they have like their science and their magic divisions working to build the defense of New York City. And on the science team, they have Beast, Forge... Visions in the background, but they also have, like, Phantom X and Brew. Oh, Brew's in uh, there. Yeah, oh. Brew's in there, too. Yeah, he's, weird. like, working on a robot yeah. or something on the one panel. I can't find him. Yeah. Oh, he's just, like, mm-hmm. hanging out. But then on the science side, they have Doctor Strange. On the uh, magic Wicked side. from the Young Avengers. Yeah. Oh. Minor. So I was like, okay, like, I, I like where they're going with this little pocket of battle world. And what's interesting is Doctor Strange is also the sheriff of... Battle World, all of Battle World. Well, a strange is, yeah, yeah. But I, like up until this, because we point, all, we also have a Nico over yeah. in A Force too. Mm-hmm. But it was it was at this point that I was like, oh, okay, it's not just this character is here; mm-hmm. it's this character could be everywhere. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and that's definitely something to take note of in this book. That is not just one version of this character. Because it's kind of like the sheriff is kind of like the Stephen Strange that we saw in 1602. Yeah. You know, so it's these different versions that has been everywhere in these books. I'm trying to think. Which was the book that I read with uh, the G-Man Ghost Rider? Uh, 
that and was trying that was reading leading the team of the unspoken voice unheard voice into the Greenland, which was the Hulk controlled territory where there was a bunch of different Hulks. I didn't read all of the books that you bought. Okay. So I, I've only read Inferno and A Force. Okay. Inferno, I I uh, really enjoyed it. And as I was reading it, I was like, Yes, this this is a Indians. book that if it was coming out regularly, almost like a uh, Wolverine and the X Men type, mm-hmm. like Jason Aaron book, I would read it. Yeah, uh, I thought this was a lot of fun for what it is, but you have to be a '90s X Men fan. You know, this is you gotta you gotta like Colossus. You gotta want to see Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, Domino, mm-hmm. Boom yeah. Boom, and. Did anybody notice the change in art on the cover like I did? Because when I picked this for the look back, I made mention in last week's episode, yep, it's got uh, Madeline uh, Pryor uh, showing off the underboob. And now on the cover, they changed the artwork completely, even on Marvel.com. I, I didn't notice that. Well, they me. didn't change it completely. They just re, uh, recolored her suit to be a full suit. How does she appear in the comic? In the comic, uh, she now has a midriff on the very back, the so very last like panel. A mini skirt thing. Yeah. Weird. So that's that uh, issue. No, that's no, it's I didn't just catch that, but I didn't remember you saying that. But yeah, mm-hmm. so they went from the original like Madeline Pryor. Yeah, to a full kind of body suit up top. Um, Secret Wars number two got me solid into one and read Secret Wars. This book got me into wanting to check out the other books, so I was glad to see that you grabbed two other ones, Paul, which I was surprised at, that made me think... Yeah, I thought uh, Secret Wars 2099, I didn't read it. I'm like, oh, Secret Wars number one. I thought I read, picked up the zero... I remembered reading one, and I'm like, oh, that must have been the zero issue. So you bought so Secret I, Wars 2099 by accident? Thinking it was Secret Wars number one. Thinking the last book of Secret Wars I read was Secret Wars uh, zero. Because that did feel like a zero issue, and that was all right. Um, yeah, like like a weird angel Hercules female Captain America. Not, that's yeah. Hawkeye. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, well, it's who wrote this? Twenty ninety nine. Oh, Peter David. It's actually not bad. Not reading that. It's not bad. It's actually kind of interesting. I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, you should. I mean, based off of the two that we read. Inhumans, a lamp. Inhumans. This, really good. This looks great. It had a Ghost Rider that I actually cared about. Uh, I'm just thumbing through it. I kind of I want to read this. It has a Black Bolt bartender. Yeah, I saw that. It's so good. It looks so good. <laughs> he bartends in the choir room. This get does, it. This doesn't make this book doesn't make any sense at all. But I am I'm. Oh, it's it. so good. It does Char- not. Don't just let it roll oh. with how it does not make sense because Char- Charles is, Soul. This is Battle World. The rules went out the window. Why now didn't you don't... we review this book? Because I was, I'm like, no, I'm only, I'm only gonna like this one because this, this is Medusa being Medusa. And I, I, I thumbed through the book. I didn't even see her in it. Uh, she's, she plays heavily in it. But, and you know, a ragbag group of rebellions, rebellious uh, characters versus the 
overlords of, and the internal politics of Battle World. I'm like, oh, I love the internal politics here. <laughs> and then you're not selling this book for me now, Paul. Oh, but it's so much fun. You'll love it. They're battling all these different Hulks on the Hulk Hulk land of Greenland. There's a Sand Hulk. Ooh. And and the Thor <laughs> selling point. There's a Sand Hulk guy. And, and the Thor core comes up. Yeah. Read <laughs> Secret Wars number two. Thor Corp. Just like in uh, A-Force, right, Chris? There's a yeah, Thor Corp. Uh, there's the Thor Corp, and when you were talking about getting a sneak peek into the politics of Battleworld, you get a little bit more of that. Um, this is A-Force number one. This is written by Magritte Bennett and G. Willow Wilson with art by Jorge Molina. And this is taking place in a corner of Battleworld called Arcadia, strangely enough. Uh, but it's Patrolled and enforced and protected by a group of all-female Avengers, with uh, She-Hulk being the baron of this land. Uh, but the book mainly focuses on Nico Minoru from Runaways, Dazzler, strangely enough, and uh, Miss America from the pages of Young Avengers. And just what happens when someone breaks one of Doom's rules. And this is where you get to see the politics of Battleworld and... What just happens to those who break the laws? And I was really enjoying this book, and I was just reading through it, and then I was like, wait, it's over? Well, she's Jon Snowed at the end. She's Jon Snowed. And, well, the same thing happened when I was reading Inferno. Like, I'm really enjoying these books, and I'm so caught up in it. When I hit that final page, I'm like, but I I wanted more, mm-hmm. which is kind of the complete opposite of what I was getting over at DC with the Convergence tie-ins. Yeah, because like those, they all I was reading with the... because I had to read it, and then I was like, "All right, well, that was lacking any of the heart." And I feel like this is just a love letter to all of these characters and the mm-hmm. timelines that they're coming from. Uh, most definitely, I'm. This was the book out of the four that we read that I liked the most, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, eh, "I'm probably not going to like this one. Mm-hmm. I'll read it." And I actually read this book first. And then everything after it, and it just kept progressively getting like worse to me. Well, I just I also like when uh, She-Hulk's talking to Stephen Strange, and he's talking about how Miss America broke the rules. Mm-hmm. And She-Hulk's like, "You can call her by her name. You know who she is." Yeah. yeah. And Paul, yeah. I, as the resident She-Hulk fan and expert, I really want to know what you thought of this one. Uh, I thought she was trying to play uh, a good legal kind of play here to personalize, to make her, the defendant, a person. I thought that was a good uh, good kind of lawyer trick. You know, remember, she's a person and you're sentencing a person. And Stefan then said, no, she committed a crime and he's focused on the crime. Yeah. Uh, so I really liked the it's Charles Soul running She Hulk, and I enjoy Charles Soul running She Hulk. This isn't the zany kind of more fun book that we were getting before. This is her being in, in a serious leadership role and a crazy over the top, you know, tie in inter multiverse spectacular uh, crossover event for a big publisher. So it's not that. You know, lighthearted She-Hulk, but it still really works. It feels like the character. Uh, 
I took I kept on taking bets with myself with how many cultural references, pop culture references they'll make. As soon as that shark showed up, I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, within three pages, they're going to mention Sharknado. <laughs> three panels later, they mentioned Sharknado. Not three pages, three panels. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. It's part of the it's pop a little culture vernacular. But yeah. It's also it's, the teenager yeah, superhero right. making that reference. Yes, but... Which goes, oh, it's a teenager. Mm-hmm. It's but do superheroes really have time to watch Sharknado? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no. It, I, I just well, especially think her. Like, what was she doing before this comic book? Mm-hmm. Oh, true. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it does make it feel of its time, but that's fine because that's the kind of comic books we're getting now. These aren't going to be. This book isn't a evergreen book. It's the multiverse crossover, you know, big extravaganza. But it's if this for is, now and never to be read again. But if this is the quality that's bringing to these books, mm-hmm. last week I didn't I didn't buy any comic books. <laughs> this week I bought like seven books. None of them were the Secret War. Mm-hmm. things but if i have any week where i'm not buying anything i'm either going back and buying the back issues <laughs> of the other battle world stuff or i'm buying the new stuff like this has got me hooked to say okay i need to check these out if i have an inkling that i might enjoy one of the characters in this book i should do it because i'm going to that that in humans book who thought you were going to get like a trench coat tie wearing ghost rider in mm-hmm. that book. You know, who they refer to as G-Man. But it's like it's definitely if you have any kind of inkling or liking of a character and you see that they might be on the cover, probably yeah. should check it out cuz yeah, all of these like have I, been enjoyable. Like I said, this is the kind of complete opposite of what I got with Convergence where Convergence, I had more of a draw to so many of those books. I was like, oh, well, I grew up loving like Green Lantern. I have to buy the 90s-themed Green Lantern ones. And I read those, and I was like, nope. I I wasted this, like, eight bucks. And then I loved Azrael Batman. Yeah, let me buy the Detective Comics one. Nope, wasted that money. Huh. So coming into... The Secret War stuff here, I was like, no, I, I can't, I can't make the same mistake. So I'll buy A Force because it has a lot of the characters that I like. So this was the one that I was like, yep, I got it. Yeah. yeah. And then after reading this, and then Inferno afterwards, I was like, I, I messed up. I should have invested a little bit more into what they're actually doing with Secret Wars because this is a Marvel event that I think I'm actually going to like. And that's kind of weird for me to say. You know, I don't have as big of a problem with, as you do, Chris, with the convergence. Uh, I, I do feel like... See, we kind of did a draft like we did with the New 52 where we all were like, oh, you know what, I'm buying these books. Paul, you bought the ones that you got. John, you bought different ones. I feel like I liked the books that you guys picked more than the ones that I picked. Mm-hmm. So I felt super burned by them. And I would agree. Like, I 
I felt burned by the Hawkman one, but then I bought a couple other ones that I was you, like... You bought Shazam. I bought Shazam, and I was like, oh, man, I am so happy with this. <laughs> and I was scared in the beginning of Shazam. I almost didn't finish it. Right. But as soon as it kind of turned it turned the corner real quick, I was like, no, I love this book. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blue Beetle... Yeah. Uh, Blue Beetle one was also was so so surprising how much I liked it, but then a couple of the other ones were like, yeah. eh, some of them we that. got one more tale with those characters. Unfortunately, the tale was so the story was so cookie cutter, where this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and at the end the booming voice is going to ha- you know play yeah. over the loudspeaker, and then the next issue. You're going to have the two characters fighting, and then they're going to stop fighting and realize, hey, we should, you know, actually figure out what's going on and get kick the butt at the per- person that's go- making us fight. And it, since it was all so cookie, that's my big problem with the convergence versus what's yeah. happening over in Battle World, is we're getting very cookie cutter. We got very cookie cutter stuff with convergence, and here in Battle World. Every, all these different universes are getting to tell kind of their own story. And, yeah, Doctor Doom showing up, and they're all having to talk to Doom and be like, yeah, we're sorry, we broke a rule. We gotta make Fight up for that. Fight to the death. Yeah. You missed, you missed Secret Wars. Like, there's fights to the death, and then being Stop like... Stop spoiling no. everything, John! Uh, I'll tell you this, though. Um, looking through these other books, because I'm so interested in them, um, Secret Wars Journal is like uh, Lady Kate of 1602, the nefarious Hawkeye Bandit. That one I was intrigued by. That one's got me. I think I'm going to pick that one up. And then Old Man Logan. All right, it's written by Brian Michael Bendis, but it's art by Andrea Sarantino. Oh. And. Okay. Oh, like well, so just much. look at the preview and see how many word balloons. If you can't, how much word balloon versus uh, Sorrentino art? If it's more than forty-five percent, if it's not, if it's more, it's not too bad. If it's more than forty-five percent, you're winning. Sorrentino art leaves a lot of space for word balloons. Though. It's the same <laughs> thing with the Jay Lee. Like, mm, yeah. it, it welcomes it. It thrives but off of here's it. Here's a splash page. Absolutely no words. Well, then there you go. I say that's a buy. All right. I'll. Paul's telling me to buy it. I'm not going to buy it because well, I don't I'm care about old man Logan. For, uh, to our June look oh, back. it's four ninety nine. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I Fuck think you. that's our title. Uh, <laughs> Secret <laughs> Wars <laughs> Journal three ninety nine. You're mine. I'm buying you three ninety nine. You're mine. All right. <laughs> well, this ep- episode of the Bagging Broadcast has been free as always. We only ask you to pay us in a few ways. One going over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and a review. Uh, also, checking out our website. Right, Chris? Yeah. Uh, head on over to bagandboard.com where you can find the show notes for this episode as well as a bunch of other ones. Also, a bunch of content coming out from friends of the show who are writing articles or blogs about it. Um, always like seeing when people read those because they're getting some decent hits in. That's always appreciated, and you guys have some stuff that you're working on, too, with the Bag and Board Bites. Yeah, over at YouTube, uh, later on this week, hopefully by Wednesday, you'll be seeing our review of King of Tokyo, uh, the board game from Yellow, and Richard Garfield, designer of The Magic the Gathering. 
that has that's probably why I like that game together. so much. Then it's a it's a Paul and John favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you'll be able to see that over on uh, YouTube, so make sure you subscribe over there, or it's always over at baggingboard.com, too, or on our Facebook. You know, Chris, I love having our different titles, you know, like friend of the show, super friend of the show. So if they're writing for us over at uh, baggingboard.com, I think they should be contributors to the show, right? Makes sense. All right. I like having the different tiers. <laughs> You see, look, you just like gentrification, I think. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> but but make sure you rate and review us, like us over on all that other stuff, subscribe. Uh, hey, when you're on bangboard.com, follow our Amazon link up on the top of the page because anything you purchase from Amazon using that link doesn't cost you anything, but we get 10% of that, and that helps uh, supplant the cost of the web hosting, podcasting, everything that goes into actually making the show, which is Always appreciated. So help us out with that. We don't ask you for much else. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm buying comic books. You have our thanks. Thanks for listening. I got Infinity Gauntlet, too. Driven by Jerry Duggan. Oh, Sir Richard. <laughs>